leaders. What keeps you up at night? Welcome to The Sweet Spot, the podcast series that expands the traditional term of what a boss is to tackle some of the most important issues in business. From business as usual and growing your market to everyday leadership issues or handling one in 100 year events, we aim to provide ongoing inspiration and education for CEOs, founders, management, shareholders and leaders of every stripe. The sweet spot is the future of work and business. Hi, my name is Emily Svatlinak, and in this episode, I speak with Robert Lilly, Head of Global Marketing and Communications for Fonterra's Sports and Active Lifestyle Business. Rob oversees the marketing ecosystem and strategy implementation for sports and active lifestyle across Fonterra's global business regions. His team's focus is on marketing value add, advanced nutrition solutions to B2B customers. These solutions address a range of current and emerging consumer health needs, including physical performance, mental well-being and immunity. In our chat, we discuss everything from how to measure your marketing success and getting your board's buy-in, to whether the rise in plant-based nutrition is an opportunity or threat for the dairy industry globally. Thank you, Rob, for joining the C-Suite Spot with me today, all the way from Singapore. Happy to be here, Emily. Thank you for the invitation. Let's dive right in. Um, before we get started, can you give our listeners a bit of background about who you are, what your role is at Fonterra, give some context? Absolutely, happy to. So I'm a New Zealander uh, by birth, raised in Auckland and uh, an Otago University grad though, so I, I'm impartial around north versus south. Um, Kickstarted my professional career in tourism, um, actually, and marketing Auckland as a, as a destination. Uh, then hopped around a few different jobs, um, but eventually landed at Fonterra. Um, and I've been with Fonterra now for 10 years. The majority of that time has been spent in uh, our overseas markets, uh, so taking New Zealand milk to the world, essentially. Um, and anywhere from Amsterdam, Chicago, and now I find myself in Singapore, where I've been for the last few years uh, living. Um, currently, I oversee the global marketing comms for our B2B sports and lifestyle nutrition business unit. Uh, a lot of words there, and you know what does that mean? But it's an area of a business that's primarily focused on our value-add advanced nutrition. So trying to get as much money out of every bucket of milk as possible via selling high-value uh, ingredients to food and beverage manufacturers globally. And that's to address anything uh, from health concerns related to physical performance, so proteins for muscles, uh, mental well-being, and, and of course, immunity off the back of um, uh, 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 the COVID year that's been is a very high-interest health benefit area globally at the moment. Oh, fascinating. And um, you touched on a few things that I want to come back to um, later on, but... Talking about how you've spent a lot of your time with Fonterra in the overseas markets, I was quite surprised to find out when I first moved to New Zealand that actually one of the biggest export markets for Fonterra is China. How, with with the sort of perception that, okay, dairy intolerances are definitely a thing and you touched on um, innovating and, and sort of bringing, taking more out of the, the milk than just plain old milk, how... Where does product innovation and diversification come into play and how does it ensure that Fonterra stays relevant across the globe? 
Yeah, really good question. And obviously the dairy or food landscape as a whole over the last 100 years has changed drastically and that's all down to consumer demands. Uh, and the new, little nuances consumers now look for in food and nutrition products, uh, which makes every market different um, with cultural uh, diversification. So Fonterra uh, is, has always been uh, very well positioned in this space due to the fact uh, of a very strong innovation pipeline and has pioneered dairy innovation globally for, for over a century, um, and in particular uh, tailoring products for different customers and consumers that fit the markets and culture preferences uh, globally, and to your point, uh, China and Chinese consumers have a very different taste and texture palette to those of Western consumers in the United States or even New Zealand and Australia. So diversification of product offerings tailored around those markets and, and preferences, um, anything from taste to, to variety, variety of formats, is, is highly important. Uh, and it's fundamental to, to supporting not only your own business growth, uh, but also that of the partners you work with. And in my space, um, leading food and beverage manufacturers globally choose to work with Fonterra because of that forward-thinking mindset around continuous innovation. Fascinating. So on that forward-thinking mindset, um, there are increasing global calls for more plant-based nutrition and changing the way we think about uh, animal products. Do you think that that is a threat or an opportunity that, to the industry and why? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I'm a firm believer, but consumers should always have choice when it comes to food and nutrition. Um, there's obviously benefits around plant-based protein. Uh, there are also benefits around dairy nutrition, and that's the fantastic um, world we now live in around uh, the benefit of choice. Uh, definitely see plant-based nutrition as more of an opportunity as opposed to, to a threat. There's room for both areas to, to operate in, uh, in a world where population growth is staggering and demand for food products globally uh, is equally so. So how do you work with a moral responsibility to provide nutrition to the world? Um, there is space for everyone to play in. Uh, in our lifestyle nutrition space, some food and beverage manufacturers like to blend various food ingredients from both dairy and plant solutions. So that's an example of just uh, an ever-changing consumer preferences and delivering a variety of, of, uh, um, of products uh, where, where different food sources can collaborate um, in terms of delivering on consumer offerings. That's really fascinating. Th thank you for your insights into that. Now, taking a step back and moving more into the actual marketing communication side of things, Fonterra is arguably the most recognisable brand in New Zealand and certainly part of your job is to um, grow the brand recognition globally. What are some of the inherent benefits and challenges that come with that recognition when it comes to running marketing and communications projects? Yeah, something to always be conscious of is the fact that through marketing and, and communications implementation, you're not just promoting, but at the same time protecting the reputation of highly recognised brands, regardless of what industry you're in, um, and also the products those brands produce, um, along with its brand image. So not just in New Zealand, uh, which is obviously a fundamentally important market, but also globally. Uh, and Fonterra, obviously well recognised as a leader in dairy, has been for a long time a key voice and supplier to a lot of other brands as well. Um, so I take immense pride personally in, in representing such a powerful brand in, in our global markets, as it's not just dairy products and expertise we're fronting, but also the world-leading innovation and in, in ingenuity that New Zealand as a whole is globally renowned for. 
Uh, it's what gets me out of bed in the morning um, and, and it excites me. And I think uh, people rise to the challenge and, and are proud to represent in front um, fantastic New Zealand New Zealand companies and brands uh, in our global, global markets to benefit all New Zealanders uh, and in particular MySpace, uh, those rural communities back home. That's really great to hear your, your passion coming through about you know, really wanting to make a difference there. What have been some of the standout projects that you have worked on in the last 10 years? Yeah, good question. Uh, quite, quite a variety of uh, projects uh, across the board. I think uh, if I was pinned pin down a couple, um, my time in Europe was uh, spent during a period where Fonterra was growing our supply print, uh, footprint to, to complement New Zealand supply. Uh, obviously, New Zealand only has so much land and already has a very strong agricultural base. Uh, how do we continue to, to offer our customers and consumers globally variety with, with fantastic milk products and continue to support growth aspirations? So that time in Europe was really around putting down a European supply footprint uh, of manufacturing sites to complement our own New Zealand supply and actually reduce the risk uh, for customers um, by offering dual supply points, uh, which is, is very favoured, especially in the food industry today and often impact of COVID that's really been highlighted around uh, security of supply. Um, so that was a very interesting uh, project up there. I think some of the other ones uh, recently, in particular in the last year, has, uh, is looking at a crisis such as a pandemic as, as COVID-19. And then how do we present solutions um, in an agile manner uh, to support uh, manufacturers, but also deliver health benefits to consumers? And so one, one product launch we've done recently is on dairy-derived probiotics, so probiotic strains, um, out of uh, cheese, uh, cheddar cheese and, and yogurt cultures, uh, which deliver immunity benefits uh, into a wide range of consumers across the full life spectrum. And these are fantastic, powerful, nutritious ingredients, which uh, you can put into yogurts and RTD beverages and, and a variety of uh, supplements formats uh, to deliver um, what, what consumers are, are wanting today. And that's um, just a, an example of a key project which uh, is responding to current and future um, uh, demands. That sounds fantastic. Can you get that in New Zealand? We do sell these probiotic strains via a certain consumer brands uh, in New Zealand, uh, owned by Fonterra. Uh, most um, go into infant formula as well. And then we've launched these into our US and China markets, uh, working with um, supplements customers up in those markets as well. So globally available, yes. Oh, excellent. So um, with uh, with all these different products and different markets having, as you said, different tastes for, for flavour and texture, how, how do you change and tailor your communications approach depending on the markets? I think the key is always understanding your market, the, the consumers in that market, uh, their preferences, and your target audiences and, and the channels they use. Uh, when, you're, when you're tailoring products, uh, and we've talked on innovation briefly, obviously adhering to consumer preferences and formats in those markets is key. When you, when you do a marketing go-to-market plan, uh, you need to make sure yeah, you are using uh, the channels which, um, which those consumers are utilising to make sure you're uh, your money is best spent uh, reaching uh, those target audiences. So when we look at the likes of China as an example, obviously most Western marketing platforms or digital platforms are not available in the China market. 
So how you would reach the, the Chinese consumers um, and our customer base would be quite different and through different channels to that of uh, Western markets, uh, which, uh, which have a, a wider variety of, say, social channels as well. So it's just understanding those nuances and making sure you adapt tactics um, effectively to, to reach your targets. Brilliant. So how do you measure the success of your project? Is it market by market or do you have overarching um, metrics that everyone needs to meet? Fundamentally, we have uh, key, key financial business targets, which, which we set every year to, uh, to uh, achieve, um, which is what uh, drives us every morning. Um, but beyond that, measuring the success of a marketing cam- campaign, especially in a B2B space where you don't have direct consumer brand linkages, uh, can be a challenge, but there are ways to do it. And so when you look at the different channels and you look at social media, you can measure success around growing uh, engagement rates, uh, followership through those channels, uh, content exposure. Uh, when you're growing a brand, how do you measure that brand score? How is it seen from a reputation perspective around surveys in certain markets? When you're looking at digital measurements, looking at website traffic, um, content engagement, uh, lead generation and conversion, obviously, to support sales. So there's a wide array of, of measuring the impact of marketing campaigns in different, uh, in different regions. So um, it's quite interesting that you um, touch on those things with the, especially the reputation management side of things. Obviously, um, at Alexander PR, that is sort of our daily bread and butter. We, we love... Um, brand and reputation mm-hmm. management and, and issues and crises are a whole other topic on that. But when it comes to talking to boards about, okay, it's important to have a strong marketing communications strategy in place and, um, you know, there are X, Y, Z benefits to it and you've listed some of the um, sort of ways you can measure success with it. How, what would your advice be for prof- communication professionals that are maybe struggling to get their leadership teams and their boards buy-in on the importance and the money spent for marketing and communications? Yeah. It's hard to earn money as a business without spending money first. It's just plain and simple. So it's important to invest in the right, the right money across various ends of the business. And that includes innovation, of course, to ensure you have great competitive products right through to marketing at the other end to actually promote those products. There's no sense in having a world-beating idea or product if no one actually knows about it. And the way you change that is through effective marketing to help grow your business. And that's relevant for any industry. So uh, you know, advice to, to individuals who are uh, overseeing a marketing or communications agenda, looking at how they grow their business. They might be a smaller upstart or, or they might be a bigger organisation. But a few simple uh, points here would, would hopefully guide them. So you need to earn the respect and trust of senior leaders, first and foremost, before you go and cap in hand, asking for more budgets. Uh, throwing money at a problem isn't going to simply solve it. Uh, so the best way to, to earn that, that trust is to get some runs on the board. Instead of, uh, instead of marking a strategy that may be trying to do too much, earn some proof points by focusing spend on marketing channels that you know you're good at and is already quite effective. Once those start delivering results, you've then earned that right to ask for more support. So the trick is to know how much to spend and when and ensuring you've done your research to those target audiences channels we've talked about so that when you do spend, the money you put into marketing will deliver those maximum benefits back uh, and, of course, um, business results as a whole. Fair well, so I think there will be um, good 
good advice for anyone that's listening that might be um, just trying to figure out how to to pitch it. Um, when you, if we take a side step now, um, you are in charge um, of the global marketing communications for sports and active lifestyles. How? Um, what have been some of the most valuable lessons that you have learned along the way as you've progressed through Fonterra and become um, become a leader? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting looking back at my own career development, and I think every leader is different. Uh, the lessons you learn along the way um, are unique to your environment and and your own personality as well. No leader is the same. There are no certain traits that make an exceptional leader. Uh, there are certainly ones um, which are, which have been official and, and more widely seen. Um, but but what defines a good leader, uh, in my opinion? Um, is someone who, who does have uh, ambition, uh, aspiration, uh, but fundamentally um, what, what sets you up for success is having the right people with you um, along for a ride. It's very important. And I've seen the benefits of a very diverse and inclusive working environment uh, in that regard uh, and what that can deliver. Uh, in my opinion, being a leader is often about supporting, enabling and inspiring others to realise their full potential and support of collective, personal, but also Uh, business goals as well. Um, work should be fun and rewarding uh, and and we spend so much time doing it after all. So as a leader, you should be creating an environment where, where people enjoy being part of and can feel a sense of fulfillment and pride uh, in what they do. Uh, there's only so many hours in the day, so having to prioritise is, is really key um, and getting the most out of yourself Your teams um, is is fundamentally important to uh, driving all around success. Mm, beautiful. So, with with having a strong team around you, and, and obviously 2020 and now 2021 is not much much different um, for the majority of the world. How has the global pandemic impacted the way you and your team work? Myself, my team, having a global remit already, uh, we're quite used to remote working. Uh, so my team scattered across across the globe. So not a huge amount actually changed. Uh, Fonterra has has um, operations or reaches into over 160 countries globally. Our products um, are anywhere from the, the mountains of Peru to um, the shores of, of Marrakesh, and that's the beauty of, of working for such a, um, such a Uh, broad uh, business uh, with such a large footprint. Um, I think connection has been key and there are always going to be challenges around that, uh, but a focus from a tactical perspective from my team on enabling remote working uh, and then applying that to your, your marketing strategies around enabling remote selling uh, and bringing solutions to, to customers or, or the consumers you engage with when you can't meet face-to-face. -face. So there has been a very fundamental focus on digital uh, for, for, for quite a while. And digital, uh, uh, luckily, we live in an age where you, you can connect and, and via, via video and phone. Uh, but you need to keep your teams and people inspired, engaged. Uh, personally, I'm a fan of, of um, I'm lucky here in Singapore at the moment where I can get into the office a couple of days a week. You need that connection. I need that FaceTime. Um, I'm an extroverted individual, so uh, I believe it is important to keeping people uh, uh, mindset on shared targets uh, and goals. Uh, looking ahead, I think we're going to keep experiencing the same challenges, uh, but if anything, this pandemic's made us stronger uh, as a team, uh, but as a globe, uh, as a whole as well. I think we've learned to adapt 
and uh, we're prepared for, for anything that, that comes at us again. Uh, so you've got to look at things with a glass half full and the benefits out of situations as opposed to uh, the negative effects. I really like that. Um, I myself am also a glass half full person um, and agree definitely that face face time that you get with people in the office is incredibly important. Um, you said something earlier that I thought was really um really key um and that is that work should be fun and engaging um obviously working from home more and having that digital focus we now have a tendency to always be on um and and it's part of a global um leadership role I imagine that you know you have team members online working at all sorts of different times um compared to where you're at in Singapore do you think um that you have good work-life balance and how do you maintain it? Absolutely. I think as a leader, I'm also conscious every day the influence I have over other people's day-to-day lives. And that's an area of responsibility you, you have to take on your shoulders. So a good leader needs to be conscious and respectful of that. You know, we aren't on this planet to simply work ourselves into the ground. People need a work-life balance and it's important people do. Uh, I'm lucky to work for a company like Fonterra, which prioritises people uh, alongside food safety and quality and health and safety. People uh, are fundamentally important. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, success starts with taking care of your people. And so I think, yeah, there is the importance uh, and what COVID has provided is the ability to uh, have that work-life balance. And I think uh, more people uh, owning their schedules. I think the traditional nine to five uh, is long gone. I'm a big supporter of remote working and people working the hours uh, that they choose uh, choose to do. Um, as long as productivity there and results are getting delivered, then who are you to argue uh, with with um, the right uh, positive trajectory, right? So it's all about empowering individuals, enabling your teams and trusting them uh, if you've got the right people on board uh, to deliver what they're going to say they, they are going to deliver. That's wonderful. Thank you for, thank you for that. Um, my last question for today is um, asking you just your first gut feel of what you wish someone had told you about being a boss when you first started moving into a leadership role. Yeah, I think it comes down to that responsibility element uh, I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think you do take on this role of not just your your inward-looking day-to-day work accountabilities, but how you then inspire others to realise their full potential. Uh, when I was younger in my career, I'd say I probably didn't have the right mentors to guide me into that or, or coach me into leadership positions. So I think if you're a younger individual uh, looking to grow your career, the right mentors internal to a business, but external as well to provide you with those skills. Never underestimate uh, continuous learning. Obviously, we can learn on the job, which is which is fantastic. But taking yourself outside uh, and learning soft skills as well as hard skills related to your functional expertise is fundamentally important to ensure you are continually growing and able to be the best leader you can be as well. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, so much for taking the time to speak to me today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and follow your journey on Fonterra, where should they go? 
My pleasure, Emily. It's been been nice chatting. I think uh, to learn more about what Fonterra does, especially if you're a New Zealand listener and looking at overseas markets, uh, we have a big social media presence that we're growing. Obviously, it's not just milk and cheese. Uh, there's a lot of goodies and derivatives out of milk which deliver fantastic nutritionist be- uh, nutritious benefits to to consumers globally. So to learn more about that, you know, visit our websites. Uh, there's an Instagram page now called NZMP, which stands for New Zealand Milk Products, uh, underscore Sure Protein, which is a page uh, dedicated to discussing the benefits of dairy and, and protein, which uh, Fonterra provides to customers globally to formulate into products. Uh, and also we have our LinkedIn presences and YouTube as well under that NZMP name, where you can understand a bit more around uh, all the goodies out of dairy, uh, the New Zealand side of the world, and ultimately support our farmer shareholders back in New Zealand and the rural communities uh, we, uh, we all live in. Fantastic. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please like, review or share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn under Alexander PR or follow the links in the show notes below. Until next time, thank you for listening.